Hello and welcome to the Nauru Fastcast with your hosts, Dave and Josh Masson. Pull up a chair and listen to us discussing fasting and health-related topics. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Nauru Fastcast. Today's episode is going to be talking about hydration and more specifically in hydration in women. So hydration is such a key sort of foundation for health. Um, You know, we kind of look at our health is a we're kind of overfed and undernourished we are saturated in our macronutrients so we're saturated in our fats carbohydrates and proteins and we seldom get a lot of micronutrients out of our diet so that's like water and minerals and vitamins we struggle to find that in our diet and which is why this kind of hypothesis comes out is that we're actually consuming we keep consuming food so until we consume enough of our micronutrients to satisfy the bodies in need because most of these are essential minerals and one of these essential minerals or minerals one of these essential micronutrients is water and water is so abundant in our body it counts for about 60 percent of our body and it is used for every single cellular process every single thing you can think of water is there to keep our cells turbid to move things in and out of our cells to allow our body to function optimally or just a tool you require water and it's very difficult to really understand sort of um, how much you should consume in a day you know there was um, some ev- there's some research done that found that you should have you know we heard the statistics right now there of eight cups of water a day you should be taking and again it's like everything if you apply that um if you apply two liters, eight cups of water a day, um, and you don't mitigate or for changes, you know, for how much hydration you're going to require on hot days, on days you're exercising, or um, things that you're doing that, that may cause you to, to to use more water or not to need as much water, if you're having loads of caffeine in a day, you know, the, it's it's very much up and down. But a good place to start is a calculation I'm going to give you. Now, I'm going to give you a little caveat first because this calculation is based on lean individuals. So if you are overweight, um, your amount of water that you may have may need to be less because it associates that a lean individual around about 70% of muscle mass is water. So that more lean you are, the more lean muscle mass you have, and therefore the greater storage of fluid you're going to have in your muscles, etc. So this calculation just needs to be taken with a little bit of pinch and salt because if you are overweight, you may not need as much water. So how to calculate on average the amount of water that you're going to need during the day. So you do your weight in pounds divided by two gives you the number in ounces and then you convert that number into mils and that will give you how much fluid you should intake in your day. Now, once you've got that number, so mine is around about um, 2.8 liters. So you need to take around about a third of that and you need to assume that you're gonna be getting a third of your fluid from whole foods and you're gonna get another than the two thirds needs comes from um, liquid beverages. Now, again, if you're diet isn't really um if you're not having a whole food diet then you can potentially want to get slightly more from your um, fluid intake and count for less coming from your diet but as a general kind of 
equation, you know, you need to be having about that much. So I need to be having around about 1.8 liters-ish um, from, uh, from fluid. And you can kind of also manage that through the day by sort of checking your um, urine uh, color. So you don't want to have clear urine because it will just show that you're actually overhydrated. You want to be having sort of lightly strawed color urine, maybe urinating around anywhere between sort of four and six times during the day. Um, obviously, that would change if you're having caffeine. Um, some people are less receptive to caffeine, but again, that's a, another thing. And again, remember that thirst is an absolute disaster for um, using that as a metric for um, whether you're hydrated or not, because when you become thirsty, you're already dehydrated. So that that's it's it's a it's a the body usually preempts you before you get to a point where you're in a state of dehydration or you're in a, in, in a state of depletion of something. The body usually gives you warning signs, but with hydration, it just goes, you're thirsty, you're dehydrated. So you've got this equation. We know that 60% of our body is um, taken up by fluid. It's one of the essential sort of um, micronutrients that we need to consume daily to be healthy and to stay alive. And we assume that sort of we is a constant level of need of that uh, of that. But obviously, as I said, it will oscillate either during the day or it will oscillate between exercise or whatever we're deciding to do. So why, where is the link going with women? Well, just before we get onto that, I just want to finish off by we've talked about how roughly how much water you can consume during the day. You can calculate that with your body weight. So convert the, the, your body weight in kilograms to pounds, divide that by two, you get a number in ounces, then convert the ounces into mils, and then you can work out how much that is for the day. Now, when it comes to thirst, there are actually sort of two different types of thirst in the body. We will have a hypervolemic thirst, so which is detects a drop in blood volume. And then we also have osmotic thirst, which basically detects um, changes in how salty your blood is. This is important because we know that we have eight grams of salt per every liter of blood that we contain in our body. So the average person will have around about 40 grams of salt. And that balance, the, the blood maintains that, that saltiness is really, really important. So the body keeps a real tight eye on the volume and also how salty the blood is. So, okay, let's get on to how female hormones and why I decided to look into this. Interestingly, because when you start looking at hydration, you read lots of things, you kind of understand that the cycling of hormones in the body of a, of a woman has quite a big impact on how they feel, how they perform, their mental state during their sort of um, menstrual cycle. And there's sort of four different phases to that. You've kind of got menstruation, when they go through their period, the follicular phase, ovulation, the luteal phase, and then back into menstruation again. A lot of the research is way towards um, not accounting for any changes in um, hormones such as estrogen and progesterone, but it generally just goes around males. And there's no, unless it's a study done specifically, there isn't any performance related studies that account for this, which is interesting because when you talk about, not so much, it would be for elite athletes, but even if you talk about the every, everyday athlete, making it, or everyday person that exercises, making it harder and more laborious or um, 
more difficult to exercise at certain times during your period, it kind of makes sense. And hopefully it will do after, after you've listened to this podcast. Okay, so we've briefly talked about those sort of four different cycles that women can go through. Now, what I'm actually want to talk about is the, the three different centers in the brain for hydration, okay? They have got, all of them have estrogen receptors in. And what that tells us is that they are also responsive um, during changes in estrogen levels. So we, in the luteal phase, which is the phase after ovulation, your body will have a surge of progesterone and estrogen. Okay, now what this does to those centers that control and regulate your thirst, which are in the hypothalamus, is it can have an interesting effect. And what can happen is it can actually dampen down the body's response to feeling thirsty. It can also make you more um, sodium depleted during that time. So that's interesting. So you've got this phase which happens a week before your period. And this is where you also get another um, sort of stacking effect. So you have vasopressin, which is released, which is actually produced in the nerves in the, in the hypothalamus, the nerves, sorry, produced from cells in the hypothalamus. And what that does is that also helps to regulate fluid. So vasopressin is, is important for maintaining fluid around our cells. It's also um, helped to produce urine or to, to reduce down the amount of urine produced, which is why in your deep sleep cycles, you will produce sort of vasopressin to make sure you don't need to wake up and go for a wee. It also helps with your um, uh, circadian rhythm. So this, the, the, body, the female body during the luteal phase actually becomes more sensitized to vasopressin as a regulator for hydration. So we've got this week before a period. Now, when you think about that, there are lots of things and we talk about fasting quite a bit on the obviously narrow fast cast. So women that are in this phase, they can sometimes um, suffer with a bit of regulation of heat. They also become more foggy headed, um, potentially some say they become more hungry. They uh, exercise performance goes down. You can have um, a lack of motivation, tiredness, poor sleep. Those types of things can happen the week before your period. And some of these markers can be signs for some women that they're actually going to come on to their period. Um, I know that some women have actually said that poor sleep or hot, having sort of hottish flushes at nighttime can be a sign that they're coming on to their period. So when you think about it, you've got this period where the body and the female body is going to become um, less responsive to the need for fluid. So become less able to tell itself that it's dehydrated. It's going to have a, a depletion in sodium and you're going to have an increased um, sensitivity, this thing called vasopressin, so antidiuretic hormone. Okay, But the one thing that it doesn't become, um, that it doesn't lose its um, that this high estrogen doesn't affect is its sensitivity to consuming salty things. Okay, so that means that if you consume more salty foods or you take like an electrolyte supplement or something like that, in that period of time, it can also help to override this sort of physiological dampening down of your thirst response in that period to prevent you from becoming dehydrated and depleted in sodium. So another thing that you've got to think about is the stacking effect of things that are going to cause you to become potentially dehydrated, but start with reducing down your sodium. Now, 
keto diets, low carb diets, intermittent fasting can all cause a reduction in sodium. So we know on average that the average person during a sort of keto diet, once they've gone through that first two weeks of keto diet or intermittent fasting or a low carb diet, can lose around about 1.5 grams a day, which is about 3.75 grams of salt. So if you think about it this day, a yeah, woman's in a luteal phase, okay, so her body's going to be less responsive to hydrating cues, it's going to have potentially a reduction in sodium, okay, in the blood. So they're going to wake up, they're going to start fasting. So maybe they're doing a longer fast. So they're going to start losing sodium during that fast. And maybe they do some exercise. So one hour of exercise can lose around about 1.2 grams of sodium. Okay. And then maybe they're having some coffee or caffeine to get them through the day. So we know that four cups of caffeine can um, reduce down the amount of sodium in your body by 1.2 grams. Okay, so, and maybe they choose a paleo, a keto, or, um, you know, a low carb diet or a carnivore type diet, which doesn't have as much carbohydrate in it. So you can see how in this phase, if you are stacking all of those things together and carrying on as normal without any, um, without, without sort of having any allowances for what the body's going through during that time, you could really be just inducing yourself to feeling pretty lousy and, and sort of saying, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And this is why sort of kind of coming to the end of the luteal phase and going to the first couple of days of the period, it might be a good idea to sort of really ha hang off a long fast and to really just go to a real sort of basic fast, like not eating three hours before you go to bed and maybe just not eating within an hour of getting up in the morning hang off your coffee intake, make sure you're, you're rehydrating with electrolytes and making sure you're eating more slightly uh, saltier food during that period. So the other thing to add on is obviously overhydrating. So you don't want to overhydrate during that period as well. So having more water without having electrolytes in there as well, because you're, we've said that you're in a period where you can, in a risk of becoming slightly salt depleted. So when you think about going through the different cycles, we're not going to touch on sort of uh, anything else other than hydration today, but I just thought it was something that I didn't really see in the literature very much until I sort of jumped into it. And I thought, well, maybe lots of women may benefit from that and trying different things in that period and seeing whether actually they are affected by the, the increase in estrogen because some women won't be. And just seeing where these tips about increasing salt because the external um, adding salt into the body still will stimulate your, your thirst complex and allow you to become hydrated. So I hope you've taken something from us today. I hope it's been really interesting. Naru Nutrition has been working on our own electrolyte uh, rehydration supplement for about two years now and we will be launching really soon. So it is an, an evidence-based mineral hydration supplement which we have been using for two years now we have had so many good responses from men women for exercising with fasting keto diets people on carnivore diets it's been absolutely fantastic we are getting really excited to share this with you guys and i really hope that you'll give it a go and maybe if you try the supplement during that period of time it may help to offset some of these sort of people get keto based flus and the low mood and maybe the poor sleep and we would love to have your feedback on it so i really really hope you've enjoyed today's episode 
please keep listening to the narrow fastcast please share it please send it to family family and friends and we look forward to seeing you next week Thank you.